pays to ensure you know your bank's lending policies, not what they used to be, but what they are now. Know your loan renewal date, and perhaps have a good broker at your side who can go in and fight for the cause if necessary. Hi, I'm Peter Sackerson, National Director of Pharmacy Services at RSM Australia, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. With the economic impacts we've seen across 2020, it's more important than ever that pharmacy owners have a keen understanding of business management, technology implementation, and accounting and tax frameworks that contribute to a successful, healthy business. There's been a huge increase in support and advice for small business owners in light of the pandemic, but it can be hard to understand the frameworks and the opportunities that are now in place. Our guest today breaks down the current business landscape highlights how important it is to keep on top of business management and provides some key strategies for pharmacy owners to steer their business through the next 12 months. Peter Sackersan is a partner at RSM Australia and director in the Business Advisory Division in Sydney. As National Director, Pharmacy Services, Peter is also responsible for managing nationally the pharmacy services of the firm, leading a team of pharmacy specialists who understand the retail pharmacy industry. With a background in the SME market and with over 20 years of pharmacy experience, Peter seeks to provide a complete business service for pharmacy owners with a focus on sustainability. Here's Peter. Hi, Peter. Thanks very much for coming on the show today. And I'm sure our listeners are especially keen to hear what you have to say, given the current economic climate. But firstly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background? Thanks, Daniel. I'm a chartered accountant and I've been a partner at RSM Australia for almost nine years now. And before that, operated my practice as Guild Accountants, um, believe it or not, under the Guild Insurance banner. And before that, was in practice for 20 years. Uh, I've worked in the pharmacy space for over 20 years as well. Um, RSM Australia, people may not know, but we're actually a national partnership with 30 offices around the country and we all operate as one firm. So RSM literally looks after pharmacies all around Australia. And uh, as National Director of Pharmacy Services, uh, I lead lead the provision of those services to pharmacies around the country and provide the team with the uh, expert advice and information about pharmacy that they need to help their pharmacists locally. Well, with community pharmacy being spread right across the country, it's great to have a network just like RSM Australia supporting them. Peter, there's been no shortage of discussion here on the podcast this year on the challenges that small businesses have encountered in light of the pandemic. We've seen monumental impacts on both the business and clinical services of community pharmacy, but we are also seeing just how resilient pharmacy is in its continued community support and patient care. With the tumultuous year that has transpired so far, can you provide us with an overview of of what you're seeing from a business perspective in the pharmacy market? The past six months has been a period that none of us have experienced before with the COVID pandemic, and it's impacting all aspects of life. However, what we also forget uh, is before that, for the three or four months before that, Australia around the country was coping with severe bushfires. 
and the two together has now really uh, had a great impact upon business generally. Uh, in the business world, and more specifically in the pharmacy market, it does continue to change every day, and it will depend on your location. Uh, and from the outset, from what I've seen, the impact has varied. Uh, biggest influencing factor, I think, that has driven the impact uh, has been the pharmacy's location. Um, and for example, um, CBD pharmacies across the board, I think, have been hardest hit. I mean, you can imagine with the sudden vacuum of customers that occurred as we all commenced to work from home, foot traffic to these businesses almost disappeared uh, immediately and the impact was immediate as well. Uh, next in line, I think, were those pharmacies in large shopping centres, but with the nuance of, well, it depends. Uh, it depended on where the shopping centre uh, is and where the pharmacy was located in the shopping centre. Uh, in fact, some shopping centre pharmacies have uh, weathered the storm quite well. And then at the other end of the spectrum, many suburban pharmacies had large increases in turnover. Why? Well, of course, we were all working from home and therefore visiting our local pharmacy a lot more, whereas perhaps we might have dropped into the pharmacy at the bottom of our building or in the next block if we worked in the CBD. And this is where some shopping centre pharmacies also benefit because uh, perhaps some shopping centres operated um, more in the normal way uh, rather than closing down huge sections as, as some of the other shopping centres have had to do. And then overlaying all of this was the fact that pharmacy was in the front was part of the front line, if you like, in the COVID pandemic. And so there were and continues to be uh, for owners uh, management challenges in meeting proper health and safety guidelines, uh, trying to meet customer demands, and then having to turn around on top of all that and get their heads around the various uh, government programs and associated, you know, the associated registration and ongoing requirements um, which they probably would put into the basket of paperwork, but a very important basket. And then not to mention, of course, dealing with their landlords and dealing with banks. Um, generally, the ability of pharmacy businesses to cope with the present economic conditions will depend on their location and how COVID has impacted their turnover. Uh, their, it'll, it'll depend on their current level of debt and then also depend on management's ability to wrestle with all of these factors that I've just discussed to ensure that they have a pharmacy which remains viable throughout the pandemic and also in the time it takes for any recovery to bring business back to normal and that's whatever normal may mean in the future. Well, you rightly noted at the start of that answer that the last six months has been something that we've never seen before and as such, We've seen some unprecedented actions taken across those last six months to address these challenges and support the small businesses that they're so vital to their communities. How important have the government initiatives been and what are some of the key support measures that are now in place? I think there's no doubt that the government stimulus packages have been instrumental in keeping many Australian businesses afloat and open and just to move away from pharmacy for a little bit. There's been a lot of uh, releases in the past week or so of results of public companies and it's it's quite uh, evident the massive amounts of government assistance have kept those businesses going and those companies 
and uh, enable their, their cash flow to keep going. Um, in summary form, the packages can be listed um, as being firstly what's known as the Cash Boost Program, uh, JobKeeper, uh, Instant Asset Write-Off uh, Assistance, the National Code of Conduct on Commercial Leases, and also banking support. And in addition to this, there has been, I would say, a strong assistance from the ATO, uh, the Australian Taxation Office, in terms of deferral of payment of certain taxes. Uh, the Cash Boost Program was essentially a grant to businesses who employed people and equated, and the, the assistance equated to the tax deducted from employee wages over a six month period. Uh, the grant is tax free and it has a ceiling of $100,000. There, there were, of course, various conditions for qualification, and, and there were also uh, a string of uh, rules around the timing of payment, which I won't go into here today, but um, uh, without saying that uh, owners should have had specific advice for their business as to their entitlement to this cash boost and when they would receive the money. Moving, moving into JobKeeper, um, it's had all the headlines and continues to do so, uh, with no doubt seeing unemployment rates of 7.5% around the country. Um, it's been uh, a big focus of the Morrison government to try and really help keep people employed. Um, so this has provided a subsidy to employer payrolls, enabling wages to employees to keep flowing, and in many cases providing a wage increase. Uh, JobKeeper version one, as they call it, it runs through to 28th of September this year. Version two was announced uh, in about August, uh, early August, and but then it was quickly revamped in light of the dire state of things in the state of Victoria. And this runs through from October uh, through to March next year. Again, there's various tests, conditions and requirements to be met. And employers, they should ensure that they get specific advice on their situation. Uh, this is particularly important that they understand that um, their situation could be very different to some colleagues they, are, they know. And also, if you're buying a business, you need to understand whether or not you're going to still be entitled to some of those benefits. Um, there's a number of rules to be made aware of, and that's largely due to the variety of ownership structures uh, and different impacts that different pharmacies have suffered uh, and that goes right back to the bushfires last year, which can have an influence uh, as to, as to, uh, on your entitlement uh, to JobKeeper. And also, uh, those pharmacies who may have had a strong March to May period, which may have eliminated them from being able to pass what is known as the basic test, which was a 30% reduction in turnover. Uh, in other words, they had a strong performance in that period. They should ensure they are looking at alternative tests now to see if they qualify if their turnover has fallen away since then because there is uh, what is known as a, a substantial increase in turnover test which may enable such businesses to qualify if they sit down and work through the complexities of that test. Um, and it is, it is complex and they should again get advice on that. For those who've been lucky enough to escape a significant drop and have had a continuous flow of customers, uh, they may be in a position to spend some money on uh, assets or investment in the business between now and 31 December and take advantage of the immediate tax write-off on assets up to $150,000. Uh, they should be aware, owners should be aware that fit-outs may not 
fully qualify because of the particular assets that do and don't qualify. So it might be necessary to identify um, specific assets acquired in the fit-out. Essentially, again, get advice on what assets are in or out of the available write-off provisions. Uh, there's a couple more to go uh, that I'd like to mention. Uh, firstly, the National Code of Conduct relating to commercial property was, I believe, a safety net that has been reasonably implemented and very welcome and has enabled pharmacy owners to be on a level playing field when it comes to negotiating lease payment waivers and deferrals with, the, with their landlords. Uh, because rent, of course, is one of the major expenses of operating a pharmacy. And if there's a downturn in, turno downturn in turnover, um, owners would like to see, of course, a, a reduction in their costs and JobKeeper has helped reduce their payroll costs and this National Code of Conduct around leasing um, goes a long way to helping those eligible pharmacies to reducing their occupancy costs. There are some nuances between states, unfortunately, but not too many. Owners should ensure that they have some help uh, from someone who knows the legislation in each state and that relates to them, just in case the landlords uh, might misinterpret what is in what's what's actually in the regulations. Uh, I've seen some unintended uh, replies or unintended um, um, assessments of what the legislation does say. And in fact, um, the answers coming back to the owners have not been quite correct. And it has. And generally when these errors are pointed out or misinterpretations are pointed out, there's um, agreement and uh, the negotiations continue. Um, in relation to banks, uh, they too have been of assistance in dealing with their borrowers, uh, usually coming to the party on reasonable requests. Uh, my experience has been that no one who has a genuine business case uh, has been knocked back in seeking some assistance from their banks in relation to their borrowing facilities. Um, coming out of the grace period, however, banks may be looking a bit harder at their asset security and also the terms that they are prepared to offer. And already I'm seeing in some press in the marketplace that there's a changed approach to lending by some of the banks, uh, especially since COVID has arrived uh, on the back of the Royal Commission, which was fairly critical of the lending practices of banks in the marketplace. So banks um, uh, be or be prepared to perhaps be looked at a bit harder and to have to provide more information uh, going forward in dealing with your bank. Uh, lastly, in addition to these major uh, initiatives, there have been various state government packages, uh, including uh, pay payroll and land tax relief, as well as some cash grants uh, for qualifying small businesses uh, made available uh, from a couple of the state governments. So Daniel, owners at the end of the day need to assess the position of their pharmacy and see where they sit on the spectrum in terms of the impact of COVID and look to ensure that they they really do take advantage of the entitlements that are available. And I know uh, the uh, paperwork requirements may seem uh, endless, but it's, it's it means uh, good financial support and they should take the time to get into the detail and if they need help, they should ask for it. That's a great overview, Peter. Very thorough. And there's lots of great support there for community pharmacies, which is very positive. However, with the impact that COVID-19 has had and the attention that it demands, it, it can be hard to remember that there are still things rolling on behind the scenes 
not least of which is the seventh community pharmacy agreement, which was signed off during these events. So I've got a double question for you. Firstly, is the agreement a positive outcome for the community pharmacy industry? And can you give us a bit of a rundown on the main points that our listeners should be aware of? On your first point, I've got no doubt that the outcome would be considered by pharmacy owners and the Guild, I think, as a positive outcome. As there is with every agreement, there's lots of talk of what uh, might be on the table and what might uh, be coming down the pipeline um, with a a fair bit of uh, intrepidation, if you like. But I think the final outcome uh, was, uh, if you can excuse the pun, probably just the right medicine that owners would have been hoping for. Um, I think uh, so. I think the outcome generally uh, is one that pharmacy owners uh, would not be unhappy with. If I can get into a bit of the nitty gritty, um, overall um, the health budget is a large one, and and within that the agreement covers 18.35 billion dollars in pharmacy medicines, services, and professional programs, uh, with 1.2 billion dollars of that. Uh, being aimed at, at the professional programs, uh, 1.15 billion for the CSO and NDSS schemes, and the balance uh, going towards the pharmacy remuneration for dispensing PBS subsidised medicines. That's at a high level. So at the ground level, for pharmacy owners, the dispensing fee, uh, the Tier 1 AHI fee, and the dangerous drug fee will be indexed on 1 July each year. Uh, with indexation set at half a percent for 2022 and 23, and returning to full CPI in 2024 and 25. And from 1 July this year, uh, the dispensing fee has increased by 5% to $7.74, and the Tier 1 AHI fee, applicable to drugs dispensed with a price to pharmacists of less than $100, was increased by 19 cents to $4.28. So together, this gives a dispense an AHI fee of $12.02. While this is representing a a good increase, pharmacists should be aware that uh, this increase is in in part compensates for the, what was existing previously and known as the premium free incentive fee and the clinical intervention fee. And they've now been scrapped and that funding has been allocated to to the maintaining the dispensing and AHI fees. So if your pharmacy had a very high substitution rate, you may not see a a great change to your fee income apart from CPI indexation. Um, On the other hand, if you had a low substitution rate, you probably picked up a bit because now you're getting the benefit of the the, uh, PFI fee uh, rolled into what is now the total um, dispensing and AHI fee uh, for the medicine. Uh, Just continuing on, the dangerous drug fee, that's increased from $3.11 to $4.80. And right at the other end uh, of the drug price spectrum for the high-cost drugs, um, the Tier 3 fee increased from $74.79 to $99.28. And uh, I know for, with more and more expensive drugs coming to the fore, this increase will be welcomed by by, by pharmacy owners. Um, below the co-payment, uh, fees also rose with the safety net recording fee rising to $1.29 and the additional charge rising up to $4.39. Uh, so, and both fees will increase each year. And there's, um, these fees need to be made aware uh, or the customer needs to be made aware of them 
and the Pharmacy Guild is working on support resources for owners in order to do that. And lastly, but importantly, there's a risk adjustment mechanism in the agreement. Uh, this is tied to prescription volumes. So with any shortfall against current estimates, um, that was, this will result in further increases to the AHIV. And this will take place on each year, uh, one July each year, commencing in 2021. So they were good, uh, good, good wins, if you like, or good outcomes um, in the agreement. Uh, perhaps the things that weren't in the agreement, but in fact uh, was welcomed, was the, the bigger issue of um, double, so-called double dispensing or 60-day supply uh, was taken off the table. And uh, this is a provision which uh, would have applied to, um, I think, over 140 medications and would have impa impacted many pharmacies quite dramatically uh, because of the reduced income. Um, and so with that off the table, it's, uh, I think, contributing to maintaining a strong uh, pharmacy network nationwide. And at the same time, though, there was no mention of the $1 discount, uh, and that, so that will continue to remain uh, a discretionary offering. On the professional, pro professional programs front, uh, the agreement confirms um, out of the $1.2 billion, in year one, the, there's been an allocation of $268 million, and the bulk of that is going to what are grouped as or called or grouped together and called the medication adherence programs, and this covers DAAs uh, and stage supply, and also to the medication management programs, which includes um, HMRs, MMRs, uh, QUMs, um, quality use of medicines meds checks and diabetes meds checks. Uh, and in addition to that, the investment in the rural pharmacy maintenance allowance has been increased by 10% and uh, the base cap on DAAs has been doubled during the first year and is uncapped for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So all in all, uh, pharmacy owners should be pleased with the outcome, which I think aims to ensure uh, as I've said, that the pharmacy network Australia-wide remains viable and, and that it remains a key part of the overall Australian health system. And lastly, but Guild members should be aware that the PGA does have a seven CPA calculator that you can use to compare your PBS remuneration uh, under six CPA to seven CPA. A great rundown there, Peter. Very thorough. Thank you very much. A totally leading question for you now, and that is, given the scale of impact on the economy that we've seen throughout 2020, how important do you think it is for pharmacy owners in the current economic climate to be on top of their business management? In our earlier discussions, I outlined the different situations that pharmacies might be in, uh, largely driven by their location. Uh, in addition to that, I also outlined the different assistance uh, or stimulus packages on offer from federal and state governments. But the key factor uh, for owners, if they're going to be on top of their business management, uh, to cut, cut through the uh, plethora of announcements uh, is to assure, and ensure that they obtain the assistance they are entitled to is to preserve or, in fact, boost their cash reserves where possible as well as continuing to ensure that their pharmacy is operating and meeting acceptable performance measures. And in one simple word, the most important measure right now would have to be cash. 
business owners need to be able to predict where their cash balances are heading and be able to do this quickly. Uh, they need to build into their forecasting what is happening today in their pharmacy and ensure that they can meet their ongoing commitments. As an example, if your turnover is falling and you've signed up for JobKeeper, um, this is a good thing because it means your wages are subsidised. However, the slight catch is that the employer needs to fund the payment of wages first and then get reimbursed by the ATO. Can, can you afford to do that? I mentioned earlier also the National Code of Conduct, which essentially helps uh, pharmacy owners obtain a reduction of rent in line with the reduction of their turnover of their business uh, with some various requirements around this. But even negotiating this takes time. And it may mean that you cannot afford to pay the rent unless you actually apply the principles of the code of conduct now. And so again, preserving cash is the key goal. In my experience, I'm seeing owners uh, contact their landlords or their uh, centre managers and in fact um, preempt the negotiations by doing the calculation, uh, presenting their case and paying the rent that they think is due in line with the code of conduct. If you like, this helps them preserve their cash flow by not having to pay the rent in full up front and then ask for it back later. And it does certainly get their landlord's attention and get the negotiating moving. Um, I do think that if you frame the approach right, and frame your letter right, I can't see that it should cause offence because you're uh, actually writing to them saying you're looking, you're trying to comply with a piece of law and um, here's how, what, how, how you see it and you hope that they see it the same way and that you're happy to talk about it. So putting all those things together, I do think that the, uh, uh, the, the key factor for pharmacy owners is managing cash and for that reason, um, given the current climate and given that the time frame uh, to uh, returning to whatever the, the new normal is is unknown, it's so important that they get on top of that uh, immediately and uh, look at what's happening in their pharmacy now and actually um, uh, look to model their cash flows uh, with some degree of accuracy and so that they can take the right steps as soon as possible um, to make sure that they remain viable. We've been fortunate enough on the podcast to have guests who have really exemplified an exceptional level of resilience and responsiveness to the adversities of 2020. And we've seen not only bushfires and the pandemic, but in some places we've seen smoke impacting communities, we've seen hail, we've seen flooding in recent times. Any good response effort requires a plan. So what are some of the strategies that pharmacy owners can now start to take with regard to the current economic environment? And once those strategies, they start to roll them out, what are the next steps for them? I spoke just now about monitoring and maintaining cash and ensuring viability. Perhaps the main point I believe I made was knowing what is going on now in your pharmacy business. So whatever strategic plan you may have had up on the wall before Christmas, is by now probably out the window. I'll make, I'll make comment on various components of what might, might make up your business strategy in these times. Firstly, I think you need to ask yourself and speak to your team about who are your customers today? If you are a suburban pharmacy, 
you may have seen a lot of new faces or even the same faces just a lot more often. So how are you remaining connected with your customers who in some areas are subject to strict movement? Technology is, as we know, coming to the fore in the working from home environment. It was always present in the marketing and business development space, but I do believe owners were not fully invested in driving it. I don't think there are any more excuses for not being in the online networking and marketing space a whole lot more. Pharmacies, I mean, at the end of the day, pharmacies have a lot of data about their customers and one hopes that they have contact information which they can legally use to keep the customers informed. Uh, in addition, useful websites, complete with an online store, as well as great marketing will no, help, no doubt help uh, maintaining that customer, customer connection. Uh, all the aspects, different aspects of uh, social media need consideration. Uh, good old Facebook, things like Instagram, I think are having a lot of impact uh, or, or getting a lot of traction uh, out there in the marketplace with, with, with users. Uh, and also LinkedIn, but know your customers and know the channel um, that salutes that, that, that you need to select that will be most effective in driving customer, customer connection and ultimately bringing in customer sales. So do you have the technology to also create sales to customers not in the store? So in a word or two, uh, one important strategy is customer connection. How will you achieve maintain and grow that. The pandemic um, combined with lockdown requirements has also seen a rise in focus on different health concerns that have probably been on the periphery and mental health is I think a great example of that. Owners should look at the services they offer in the pharmacy and assess whether with the change in economic and social environment the services on offer are aimed at meeting the new and current needs of their customers. And in doing that exercise, that leads to a whole uh, series of questions. You know, what are the skill sets required in the pharmacy? Uh, will those skill sets be taken on as full-time staff or will you outsource them? How will you communicate to your customers? Again, going back to my first strategy about, about remaining connected to your customer. How will you communicate to your customers that the services available? And lastly, how will you drive um, uptake of the service and then delivery of the service successfully so that it does realise in um, a true increase in income in the pharmacy, both through the service itself and through the add-on sales that can come with it. Next, I mentioned cash management a lot in our earlier discussions, and part of this, of course, is proper cost management. At RSM, we've seen most, if not all, of our clients transition their financial management systems to the cloud. And this has enabled access to data by owners and advisors in an instant. And it's been helping owners keep an eye on exactly where their business is at. And so strategically, owners can look to ensure that they have access to the right data when they need it. And investment in the right technology around business information could mean the difference between knowing what is going on and whether or not you're going to get knocked over by what's happening now in the economy. And as well, having that data available uh, immediately can help you deal with things like better communications with your bank uh, if you need to produce uh, accurate cash flow forecasts and other information that they might, might ask for, which in the past you may have not had at your fingertips. 
And a very good part uh, or important part of technology management is ensuring that you've got a good recovery plan. If you've outsourced any part of your business data, especially things like payroll, you need to stress test your provider in this area and ask the detailed questions about things like backups and disaster recovery at, at their end, as well as internally in your pharmacy. I've seen customers uh, who have outsourced payroll um, where the outsourced um, or host of their payroll system uh, suffered a, uh, a technology incident and through no fault of their own, the pharmacy lost a lot of data and the um, host uh, also um, did not have sufficient backups and there was a lot of work required to ensure that payroll data was all of a sudden uh, was suddenly brought up to date um, and accurate uh, going forward. And in the world of single touch payroll and dealing with the ATO, this is one area where you don't want to be seen uh, to be shoddy in your operations. Uh, next, um, as part of your cash management plan, I mentioned having a good relation, uh, banking relationship. So strategically, you should be aware of your loan commitments when they're due for renewal and what the requirements might be at that time of renewal. For many pharmacies, having to get a valuation of their business right now in the middle of a pandemic, it won't be good news. And perhaps, and it may deny them the chance of rebuilding the pharmacy asset back to its real worth. So it pays to ensure you know your bank's lending policies, not what they used to be, but what they are now. Know your loan renewal date, and perhaps have a good broker at your side who can go in and fight for the cause if necessary. Of course, demonstrating your financial awareness by having those forecasts in place, which I mentioned earlier, and knowing how the business is tracking at all times, this can only assist in giving the bank the confidence to, to continue to support you. So overall, owners should be taking a fresh look at how they grow customers and meet their needs, uh, supplemented by appropriate professional services. They should be controlling costs, managing cash, and improving the technology platforms of their business to help them to do all these things. In addition, they should review the skill sets needed in each of these areas and then decide if they want them available through staff members or recommended outside assistance. We've seen throughout the pharmacy market in recent times that buyers have abounded and owners looking to sell have been in the box seat. Is this still the case? And if you are buying a pharmacy right now, what should you be aware of? Pharmacy performance through 2020 financial year, which only ended uh, six weeks ago, will be highly variable. And a key aspect of any business is not the actual numbers in my view, but it's what's the underlying trend. If you think about it, if a pharmacy performed reasonably strongly up to the end of February and then COVID hit and they were in those one of those locations where it uh, sent them off the, off the cliff, if you like, or it hit them pretty hard, those last four months of weaker sales might be hidden if you just look at total sales for the year. So it's important that you get a look at the trend in monthly sales, for example, uh, during that time so you can see just what is happening in the business. And it is important that going with that, you get the, uh, the tail end of the trend moving into the current financial year so that as we move forward each month, you should be able to request uh, for example, what the sales figures are for July and in a couple of weeks, what they were for August. I mean, 
Pharmacies are required to have those numbers in order to prepare their bazes for the month and also make their job keeper declarations. So I think there's no reason why those numbers should not be available. Um, there are a lot of pharmacies on the market still um, and uh, that has been the case for the last couple of years. And with seven CPA locked away, this might uh, encourage um, perhaps purchasers not to be careful enough when they select a pharmacy to purchase. But purchasers really must get to understand the current sales trend, otherwise they may be in for a big shock. I'm also sure the lenders will be putting any new purchase under the microscope as well as expecting the pharmacy valuer to be doing the same. And this also means that business purchasers should be aware of the current bank lending policy. And I've mentioned this a couple of times now uh, for existing owners, but this also applies for new, per, uh, new owners. They should be aware of what the current lending policy is and not what it used to be. And, and because this could impact on the uh, amount of finance that they have access to, um, and, and when they add that to the funds that they might have available themselves, if the banks are lending less money perhaps, then the, uh, the value of the pharmacy that they can afford uh, might have to come down a peg or two. To me, the trend in sales is the key factor and it's followed closely by the occupancy costs. As you know, once you've signed a lease, it's very difficult to get the terms varied. In addition, of course, uh, new owners or new purchasers should be aware of the competition in the area and the competition that may be coming to the area since some of the bigger brands are showing no sign of let up in expansion and may be looking at a way of coming into the territory of the pharmacy uh, that you're looking to buy and that you'll need to be able to compete with that. You, just, you should also remember that because you will be a new owner and a new employer, you will most likely uh, not be able to access some of the government assistance packages uh, that uh, that I've outlined that I've outlined here today, because as I mentioned, all of those packages uh, had key terms and conditions, and most of them meant you had to be the existing owner at a particular date or the existing employer at a particular date, and so the benefit doesn't transfer with the business. Once the new owner takes over and there's a new ABN, you're in new ground, a new territory, and you probably won't um, uh, won't comply. Uh, and you can't compare the turnover of the business operating under the new ABN with the turnover of a business that operated uh, previously with someone else. So you need to be aware that um, you'll be relying on your own resources and the accuracy of your assessment of the business today to ensure that you've got sufficient capital to make the new business a success. So when you're looking at the numbers of the target pharmacy, you need to ensure that any government assistance they have received has been highlighted so that, you, so that you can take that out of the equation if you will not be entitled to it. So ultimately, it pays to do your due diligence thoroughly and ensure you obtain up-to-date financial information of the pharmacy that you're seeking to purchase. Great discussion, very thorough, and so many great and important points and advice for the listeners to understand and keep in mind. Peter Sackerson, National Director, Pharmacy Services at RSM Australia, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show and sharing your pharmacy business insights. Thank you, Daniel. If your listeners do want to contact me, they can do so by simply emailing pharmacy at rsm.com.au with their questions or contacting me directly. 
Business operations represents a key pillar in the Guild's Community Pharmacy 2025 strategy. The Guild is dedicated to providing members with a wide range of business support, tools, resources and information. Find publications, fact sheets and links to business support material to assist you in the management and development of your pharmacy business in the business support resources area of your My Guild. The Guild has recently produced the 7CPA calculator tool to help you compare remuneration for the final year of the 6CPA with the first year of the 7CPA. Visit guild.org.au forward slash resources forward slash business hyphen operations to access the calculator. Members can keep up with current affairs around business through the 2020 members blog. The blog covers topics such as JobKeeper, rent relief measures, small business tax and more. Visit guild.org.au and log into your My Guild to find out more. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 55 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.